Hello and welcome back to the C. Thomas Printer Cooperative, a place to make you think, make you remember, and make you smile. October 30th, 2022. Good morning. I'm Osteta Jones. Get a cup of coffee or take a nap because C. Thomas is about to bore the shit out of you. (laughs) (laughs) Good morning, Austerity. I'd like to ask you a question. If you had to choose one of the following, which would you choose? Buying a 10-year bond at 4% with 8% inflation, or one year ago, buying a 2% bond with 6% inflation? Um, Let me think. I would go with... um... None of them. (laughs) None of them. Okay, well, that's very good. All right. Uh, It just seems very interesting, right? Last year, no one wanted to buy two-year bonds because they were 2%. Now, lots of talking heads are saying, I'm very happy getting 4% on my money. (laughs) I'm glad you aren't managing my money. The loss of purchasing power is 4% in both situations. Now, some people will say you can't price the inflation at 8% or 6% for the term of the bond. That's correct. They will tell you to look at the forward-looking bond expectations for where interest rates will be over the life of the bond, like the five-year, five-year forwards, for example. That is a product that lets you know where the market is pricing inflation for five years out, five years in the future. I smile to myself and I say, okay, I will play along. You were telling me that I can see where inflation expectations will be for years six through ten of my bond five years out. Or actually, more specifically, where the interest rates will be when my bonds end, since it is actually forecasted five years out, five years from now. This is some very sophisticated analysis, and not for you at home. Marty McFly and his DeLorean probably founded this analysis back in the 80s with old Doc Brown. I went back to the chart, and I have attached the link at cthomasprinter.com if you want to explore the deeply insightful analysis. Austerity, I must have looked for five minutes trying to find where the five-year, five-year forwards had 8% inflation listed, or 6% inflation, or even 4% inflation. That's right. Going back to 2003, the highest I could find was 3.05 right before the GFC in the fall of 2008. I went back 10 years from today in October Mm -hmm. 2012. They had the rate of 2.87. Boom. They nailed it. These guys are so far off, they couldn't hit a bull elephant in the ass with a bale of hay. That's a technical term, by the way. These forward-looking rates are the reason that you hear that we have real yields now. A real yield being the price of the bond less the inflation expectation for that bond's expiration. These people use the same models that brought you, quote, unquote, transitory last year. (laughs) they're garbage people utter garbage i understand you still don't believe me so let's use one more example during the covid sickness the u.s government shut down the economy yes we seem to have forgot that we did the exact same thing everyone is mocking china for right now but bear with me we did that meant the velocity of money went down production and gdp cratered no economy if you're not open that makes sense this would all lead to lower 
expectations for lower inflation in the future. And the forwards figured that correctly. It's the five-year, five-year dropped almost a whole percentage point. But we weren't closed for very long. And when we did start opening, the geniuses in D.C., Congress and the Fed, printed two out of every $5 in existence today. That's right. 40% of our money today was printed since 2020. Milton Friedman said, money is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. And yes, we understand that. So how was it reflected in the forwards, this massive inflation of the money supply? We haven't broke 2.6 yet on the five-year, five-year forwards. You might be saying, great, C. Thomas, a super neat book report, gold star for you. But what the hell are you talking about and how does it affect me? That's the right question and question. These are the real yields that have not went over 3% for 20 years. And why should they? Inflation has been low for 40 years, right? Toto, we aren't in Kansas anymore. Using these instruments and accepting them as a given is a huge mistake. They aren't accurate. No one knows where the inflation is going to be next month, much less in 10 years. When you start hearing the media trumpet how 4% looks pretty good and that real yields are positive, just go look for yourself. Today's 10-year bond yield, less the core CPI, because I'm a generous guy, and the yield is negative 3.1. But if we use the CPI, it would be even worse. And that doesn't even take into account how fraudulent the CPI is. Go to shadowstocks.com if you want an eye-opening look at how the CPI has changed in measurement over the years. We've talked a little bit about that, but they do a better job over there. But let's say we're at minus 3% today. Why is that a good idea? Why does that sound good, Mr. or Mrs. Talking Head on CNBC? That's a very good question. I only have two answers for you today. The first is the reason that the fund manager can ask you to put your money in a 4% instrument today is that it covers the fees or their commission. At 2%, the percentage of the interest earned was just too big. But now at 4% plus, hey, you, the client won't notice. It's in the future, 10 years down the road when you notice, hey, wait a minute, I can't buy diddly dick with this bond. I've lost a bunch of purchasing power and inflation wasn't 2.4%, and I still had to pay a commission. They won't blame the fund manager then. They will blame the Fed or the government or maybe Mr. Big Oil or Mr. Putin. They can't recommend stocks when Amazon is down 20% or Facebook is down 25%. And they haven't had to work on picking good stocks their entire career because they have just been recommending passive investing since they passed their Series 7 exam. Now, I'm not licensed anymore, so I have a little more leeway, but I still can't give financial advice. So I will simply say, do some research. When they give you a term like real yield, go back and see how it is calculated. The answers might surprise you. The second reason that they want you to buy bonds is that it is your duty. That's right, good old Stars and Stripes and Francis Scott Key playing the national anthem in the background. Do your duty, Americans, and buy some of these bonds backed up by a $31 trillion debt shit heap and growing by a trillion and a half a year. That's right, Biden is pleased to announce that they cut the deficit in half this year down to about a trillion and a half. When the COVID craziness hit the market and the market sold off in 2020, The Fed, out of their usual playbook, lowered rates to zero, and the market went down. And then they stepped in with some QE and bought some bonds, and the market went down. And then they bought mortgage-backed securities, 
and the market went down. And they finally stepped in and bought some corporate debt. And with that, the Fed saying that they would not let companies go broke, the market rallied back. We got QE on steroids, a fiscal helicopter of money. And here is the sneaky little secret. Until June of this year, the largest buyer of U.S. government bonds was the Federal Reserve. That's right. That $8.9 trillion Fed balance sheet was from buying mortgage-backed securities and U.S. sovereign debt. Now, China is not buying our bonds. Japan and Europe can't really buy our bonds because they are selling bonds to protect their own currencies because they have energy crises. And the Fed stopped buying bonds in June as they embarked on quantitative tightening. Since September, they have been letting, letting $95 billion roll off their balance sheet. So someone needs to step up and buy some bonds. The American public just needs to be told to buy some bonds because they are a good deal. They need to be told that a real yield sounds good. And they need to be told by their advisor who still wants to be in business and can't sell crashing stocks any longer and must pivot to bonds to stay in business. The Fed has two choices, and we all know them too well. Let inflation, in which case getting a 4% return over 10 years will be a terrible idea in a world hopefully only of stagflation, or they raise rates really hard and cause us to go into a recession and the federal government to go broke with interest on the debt soaring into the trillions. Most of the time, governments don't go broke. They inflate their way out, hoping for a better day down the road, or at least the catastrophe happening on someone else's watch. They will try to sell you on the risk-free U.S. Treasury for yield, safety, or patriotism. Be warned. It reminds me of the death of the beautiful and talented Carol Lombard. She crashed into a mountain outside Las Vegas, Nevada on January 16, 1942. She was returning to Hollywood after selling war bonds on tour during World War II. She was the wife of Clark Gable, the most famous actor and the man from Gone with the Wind. Most of you were too young to remember, but the selling of war bonds to support our boys over in combat. But there was one key difference from the efforts of Miss Lombard and what is coming today. She was selling bonds to raise money to fund the government, supporting young men fighting to rid the world of evil. And today, you would be buying bonds to fund the government of reckless spending and stupidity. Choose wisely. Sincerely yours, C. Thomas Printer. This week's financial tip, do your research. What I just said doesn't mean you shouldn't buy bonds or not buy bonds. Every situation is different. Your age, expectations, what you're saving the money for. But I am telling you to not just buy bonds for reason that you haven't investigated, for reasons that you hear on TV. Google real, real yields, Google the St. Louis Fed, look at their charts, or head to our blog for a good place to start. Think about what you're going to do with that savings account you set up. By the way, I got another email and my savings account rate went up. Hey, this inflation isn't so bad, austerity. And I saw a new company coming out offering the highest savings accounts rates in the country. Happy Googling. On this date in history, 18 years ago today, to be exact, the Boston Red Sox beat the St. Louis Cardinals to win their first World Series in 86 years. 
also born on this date. The second president of the United States, John Adams, the phones Henry Winkler, Ivanka Trump, Kevin Pollock, the never-leaving bootlegger Harry R. Truman, not to be confused with the ex-president, who died when Mount St. Helens erupted, and the handoff guard himself, Diego Maradona. <laughs>